0: In the July and August Reader's Digest edition, Michael pointed this out to me, there was an article that is called The Global Network. And then it has little lines that say, a winding road in Bali, a scooter accident, darkness. The story is about two friends who are on vacation in Bali, Mikey and Stacy. And they go out one day just to hang out. They say that they love hanging out with strangers, getting to know different people, different cultures, they're just talking to people. And they stay up way too long until about 2 a.m. and they're on a scooter. So at 2 a.m. they hop on the scooter to go back to their hotel. As they get on the scooter, Mikey is checking his GPS to figure out to make sure they get to the hotel correctly, and at one point, this is, it's dark, it's in the winding roads, and at one point, he looks down to check to make sure he's going the right way, and at that moment, doesn't realize that there's a curb coming right around the corner, and he goes way too fast, and they fly off into the ravine, hit several trees. They both just land on the ravine, injured. They both pass out. And then Mikey comes to, and he realizes that he's all alone. He's trying to call out to Stacy, and then he crawls over to her and says, Are you okay? And she says, uh, I don't know. Uh, later on, they realize that they both had significant injuries. She had to be in the hospital for a week, and he stayed for three weeks. They're bleeding, and he's trying to figure out what to do. She says, Are we gonna die? Are we gonna die? And he says, no, no, we're not going to die. But he can't figure out what to do because he knows that the only phone that he had with him, he was left on the scooter. But then he remembers that he has one more phone because he carried a phone in his pocket that he could communicate with people in the U.S. on. So he pulls it out, and as he opens it, he realizes it has 46% battery. And he's scrolling through with his bloody fingers and he notices that Facebook is on. And so he gets this idea. He says, well, I don't wanna die here. There's nothing else for us to do so I'm gonna do this. So he pulls out the Facebook app and he writes in bold and makes the background red and says, help, in danger, call the police. And just leaves it there. Sends it to his friends and he's waiting. He's waiting to see if anybody will see his text or his message. A few minutes later, a friend in the U.S. sees the note and says, oh, no, I don't know what to do. Where is he? And she calls him on the phone. And she talks to him, and he says, find help. She says, I don't know how. He says, figure it out. She hangs up, and then she's... Now she's posting on the same post saying he's in Bali, we need to figure out how to help him. Somebody please respond. Now people from all over the world start chiming in and figuring out, trying to figure out what to do. And about two hours later, they have gotten the the US consulate in, in Indonesia, but they're still not in Bali. And at that point, his phone dies. So he has no idea what is going on. They are in darkness. And then the both of them soon after pass out. It takes two more hours before friends from all, around, from all around the world, in Netherlands, in Prague, here in the US, I mean, everywhere, figure out where they are at and how to help them, and they send a search party to get them. And the search party gets them just in time to take them to the hospital at 8 a.m. in the morning. But my, the thing that I really love about this story is the subtitle to the article, which says, when disaster strands two American tourists in the jungle, unable to walk and unlikely to be found, they have one hope, a phone with a dying battery. One hope. The chapter that we'll be talking about today is also about one hope. And so I want to invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Pastor Chad has already said that we are going to be going through the Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. He started out in Revelation chapter 1 last week. And he talked about the fact that the, it says that there is a blessing for anyone who reads this book who reads Revelation. That was the first blessing. Well, the second one is found in chapter 14, kind of past the middle point of the chapter in verse 13. So go there with me. Chapter 14, verse 13, and it says, John is saying, then I heard a voice. John is stuck on the island of Patmos, and God comes up to him and gives him the message of Revelation. It says, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. The word blessed comes from the word makarios, which can be translated as blessed, but also as fortunate or favored. So this is divine favor on these people. It can also be translated as happy. Happy are those who die in the Lord. And the key is in the Lord. And then it explains, it says, because they can rest from their labors and their works follow them. Notice that it doesn't say their works save them. It says their works follow them. Because we cannot do anything to make ourselves be saved. It's a gift from God. But their works show where they are and how they lived. And that's the whole point. They die in the Lord because they lived in the Lord. But I kinda dropped you in the middle of this chapter, right, and I'm guessing that you're wondering, well, what is all of this about? So we need to rewind, and we're gonna start at the beginning of the chapter. So go with me to the first verse in chapter 14. And John is speaking, and he says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. It starts out by saying, the lamb. The lamb is on Mount Zion. And we all know the picture of the lamb is Jesus. And Jesus is with 144,000. In chapter 7 of Revelation, it tells us the 144,000 are also represented as a great multitude. So this is not a literal number. But what characterizes them is the fact that they have the name of God written on their foreheads. What does that mean? It means that these people are completely committed all about God. They belong to God. And that's why their name is on their foreheads, symbolically. And then there are more descriptions of what is happening, or what they're doing. In verse three, it says, they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. So they're singing a song that nobody else can learn. Why can no one else learn this song? Because the song is about their experience. They have gone through what the Revelation chapter seven says, the great tribulation, a time of trouble like there has never been before. And so they go through this time of trouble and they come out and it says, it's also also called the, the song of Moses, and it's a song of praise. Do you realize that they come out of this crazy tribulation but they're not sad and despondent and discouraged because of everything that happened, they're singing a song of praise because their heart is overflowing with who God is. I went for a summer and I did canvassing, which is selling books door to door. It was one of the hardest summers of my life, but it was also one of the best summers of my life because it taught me so much about God and how I cannot do anything on my own. But we, I remember this distinctly, when we all got together as a group, we would always come together every single day and do worships. And when we started out, we sang together. But let's just say our singing was just kinda, okay, we're here because we have to be, and because we need to be singing. But by the end of the summer, after the nine weeks of canvassing, our singing was completely transformed and wherever we went to any church with that when we sang for people people would just be like what happened to you how come you sing like this and we said we don't have the greatest voices in the world we just have learned something about god about how amazing he is because you can't help but realize that god is amazing when you go to a door and the lady tells you oh i was praying that somebody would come because I really need help. As you walk through the door, she says, I know God answered my prayer. Or another time, I was coming into a house and the lady said, I have been praying that someone comes to encourage me. And she says, I know that this is from God. I am buying all of your books. We had experiences like this all the time. And there were some really hard days where people just slam doors in front of your face. And you feel like you're just getting nowhere. But then, there are those amazing experiences where you can't help but just be filled with how amazing God is. And that's their experience right here. Even more amazing. And then it continues and says, these are ones who are not defiled with women for they are virgins. This is not literally they're virgins, but it means that they're spiritually pure. They are loyal to God. And then there are some more descriptions like they follow the lamb wherever he goes. They're the redeemed. They're, the word is a purchased, bought by Christ. And they're first fruits to God and the lamb. The first fruits is from the harvest, the first produce of the harvest, where it says that God takes the harvest in. And in their mouth was found no deceit. This is talking about the lies of Satan, that they do not fall for any of the lies of Satan. And then it ends by saying, they are without fault or blameless. And once again, this is not literally they're they're morally perfect, but that they are faithful to God. They are loyal to their savior. And now, it's as if this picture kinda changes. And from this description of the 144,000, It goes to something that we call the three angels' message. And suddenly, three angels come on the scene, each one with a message. The first one, it says, is in the midst of him, and I'm reading in verse six, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. So this is the gospel, they're bringing the gospel, and the first message of the gospel, the first angel says, is this, fear God, and give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment has come and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. He starts out by saying, fear God. What does fearing God mean? It's not to be afraid of God, but to be in awe of who God is, but it, that's not enough, just to be in awe of God. I also have to accept that into my life and live it, So. Fearing God means that I make every decision with God. That I consult Him and His word about everything I do. That's how I fear God. And then the point is about worship, worshiping the Creator. Well, the first angel is done, and now the second angel comes on the scene, and he says, Babylon is fallen is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Babylon, in the Bible, all throughout, stands for powers that have been attempting to take the place of God, who say, we got you, follow us, we will take you through, but in reality, it is evil. And the book of Revelation describes it even more and says these are religious powers and political and secular powers working together against God. And in chapter 17, Babylon is described as a woman where on her forehead she has an inscription that says, mystery Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and of abominations of the earth. And then it says about her that this woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. That's what Babylon was about, persecuting the true followers of God, saying that, oh, yes, we're following God, but in reality, living for Satan, working for Satan. And this message says Babylon is fallen. It's in the past tense to say it is so certain that this will happen, that it can be said in past tense. And then we get to the third message, where the third angel comes and says, and now as he's speaking to individuals, it says it's, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, so now it's about worshiping the beast, the beast is part of the Babylon uh, coalition. The forehead stands for thoughts and the mind, whereas the hand for action. So this is saying that these people are giving their allegiance to Satan through their thoughts or through their actions. And then it continues by saying, "...he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which has poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. We know from the study of the rest of the Bible that this is not saying that this burning will be going on forever and ever, but that it is a consuming fire that puts an end to evil. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. But the message is not done. Because verse 12 belongs as part of the third angel's message. And it says this Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. There is this contrast in that same message between those who choose Satan and those who choose God, and the ones who choose God are described as those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I believe they lived out the song, trust and obey. What is the third message about, really? It's about who do we serve? Who will you serve? You cannot have two masters, Jesus says. You either choose God or you choose Satan. God has never hidden anything from us. He's very straightforward, and he says, there will come a time where I will put an end to evil. It will not continue forever. So, as I was studying this passage, I was struggling with one thing. Because I knew, and I had taught Revelation many, many times when I was a Bible teacher at Andrew's Academy, and I would always tell the students that Revelation, yes, people always talk about it as being about the beast and persecution and, and um, anything that you can think of that's not positive, right? That's usually what we think of when we think of the book of Revelation. But in reality, that is not what the book is about. The most prominent character in the book of Revelation is Jesus, and so I was looking for Jesus throughout this, and I noticed that in the middle of the third angel's message, it has the word, the lamb. I counted how many times the word lamb appears throughout the chapter, and it's four times, but then on top of that, several times the word Jesus is mentioned as well, because it's at the first part, the first part of the book, It says the lamb is standing, right, and they're they're there with him. At the end, in the part that we didn't read, it also says the son of man, so it's talking about Jesus, bringing in the harvest all the way at the end, second coming and beyond. And now now this middle part, though, is the one that's kind of puzzling, because it seems like, well, the first message is great, the second one, well, okay, but the third one is really bleak. And so I was thinking about this and trying to put it together in my mind, and then I went, to Dr. Moscala, who is the dean of the seminary, but also my dad. And I said, dad, is there something I'm missing here? And he says, okay, well did you notice that the third angel's message is actually at the center? And I said, no, what do you mean? And he says, well, okay, let me show you. And he sent me what he had, um, what it worked on and it blew me away to actually see what he showed me. So I wanna, I wanna show it to you, and this is what you need this chart for, okay? This part right here. So I want you to pay attention, and I need you to actually look at these verses with me. So in verse eight, the second angel is speaking, and in verse seven, the first angel is speaking. I want you to look at those two messages and see whether there is anything that connects the two messages together. Okay, go ahead, look. See if there's anything that connects the two. Yes, no? No, you're probably thinking it's a trick question, but there is nothing that connects the two. Okay, but now look at the first one and the third angel's message. Is there something that connects those two? Is there a word that's the same in both of those messages? Worship, thank you. Worship, it's either worship the creator, or worship the beast. So right here, you can put number one and three. Okay, they are connected. Number one message is connected to number three. Then I want you to look at number two and three, and once again, there is a phrase or words that are the same in those two. And that is the the phrase wine of the wrath, over fornication or wine of the wrath of God. Okay, so one of these circles can be your number two. So number two and three also connect. And then the voice is also part of this message. The voice that's in verse 13 talking about blessed are those who died in the Lord. At the end says they may rest from their labor, but in the third angel's message it says they have no rest day or night. So the third one will be the voice, you can just write voice, okay? And what I want you to see is that the third one, the third angel's message is at the center, connecting, everything connects to it, okay? Each one of the messages connects to the third one. But now, this is what blew my mind. If you look at the third angel's message and you put those verses together, you realize that the middle part of the third angel's message is the word, the lamb. So right here you can put that, because there's enough space. You can put the lamb. So right in the center of the message that we think is really dark, full of darkness, there is the lamb. Okay, but you're saying, okay, yeah, but that's not really a positive message. Well, let me tell you what's going on there. It says that this is all happening in the presence of the Lamb. There is the presence of the Lamb at the beginning, right here, and at the end. You know why? Because the presence of the Lamb is always with us. Jesus has always been with us. And this picture right here is kind of like, imagine... A boat that just capsized, and all these people are out in the ocean and they're just floating and they're gonna drown because there is nothing that will help them until a search party comes around and says, We got something for you, we will save you. And they throw out life rings to each person a life ring. And each person who gets that life ring just says, No, I don't want that. Oh, don't give me that oh no, (laughs) I don't want it. That is what is happening here. Jesus has done everything for every single person, including dying for us on the cross. And the only thing that we need to do is just say, Jesus, I accept you. I want you in my life. I want you to be my savior. I want to give myself to you completely and totally. We cannot serve two masters. And there is no middle ground, no matter how much we try to convince ourselves of it. There is one hope, and one hope only. And that is the lamb. This morning I want to give you some time on the back of this, or maybe in your phone, or wherever you'd like to take some notes. I want you to write a prayer to God. I want you to write a prayer and whatever it is that you want it to be, something short, something long. I'll give you a few minutes to, to do that. But I want your prayer to be a response to the lamb, to what the lamb has done for you. So for example, for me, my prayer is thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Thank you for being my savior. I choose you. Help me to live in the Lord so that I can die in the Lord. That's it, simple as that. I want to give you a few minutes to write it down and then I will pray and then pause so that you can pray your prayer. Lord God, I choose you. And I want everyone here to also choose you. Lord, we're here before you because you are the only hope. Satan masquerades things and makes us think that he has something good for us, but he, it's all about destruction, destroying us but Lord, you are good and you have done everything for us. Help us to choose you. Help us to live in the Lord and to die in the Lord. I want to pause right now and Lord, I pray that you hear all of the voices in here as they cry out to you. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you for being the lamb. Thank you for being our hope. I pray this in your name, amen.